Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. This is a little bit of an impromptu episode, but we are trying to uh, do something new with these fight night episodes. Every time David and I get on a little spat, either on Twitter or wherever, um, off the podcast, we're going to try to uh, record these, especially if the topic is pretty juicy. Um, but yeah, so David and I, were, we have a couple of little chats going, um, and then one of them started talking about DeFi, and uh, David's feeling very bullish. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm very very bullish, and uh, as juicy as DeFi is, these conversations are similarly as juicy. Uh, and so, Christian, will you uh, inform our audience as to the uh, the purpose as to which you have called this uh, fight night round two? Ding ding ding. I just don't really see DeFi as being something that has earned some sort of product market fit yet. And uh, people in the ETH community are really conflating it. David is one of them. He is uh, a hardcore DeFi shill. So I just, you know, I just don't think it's been proven yet. I don't think it's like, you know, a sure fire thing. Uh, I think the Money Legos meme that you've been putting out is uh, good and interesting. And uh, it's a good meme. But uh, outside of that, you know, still baby. I think that decentralized finance which in the future will just be called finance, is actually the point of all of this hubbub about cryptocurrency. And Bitcoin was the first decentralized finance app that was introduced into the world. And it's a really, really good app. Uh, the, the whole store value uh, thesis and the, the sound money thesis and uh, the hard cap thesis are all really, really good things to have. And that's why I believe that Bitcoin will exist in into the future for a for our lifetimes, probably. Um, but Bullish. at the same time, uh, there is a what uh, Ryan Sean Adams commented on my on my Twitter about um, the base layer of, of cryptocurrencies is there is a Goldilocks for L1 blockchains. And I think that the future of cryptocurrency is all about where decentralized finance lands. And so I actually, I can, we can separate these things, right? We can separate decentralized finance slash DeFi from Ethereum. And because Ethereum is not necessarily decentralized finance and decentralized finance isn't necessarily Ethereum, but decentralized finance has come to land on ethereum because of how ethereum is able to express itself because of its uh turing completeness and um uh you know the 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 evm and in the future ewasm it's a, it's able to express different applications much more expressively than bitcoin can and so that's why decentralized finance has come to ethereum rather than most other blockchain applications and I think into the future, we should see this as an example as to where the cryptocurrency world is going. Decentralized finance is the point of all of these things. I agree that making a more open financial system is the point. Mm -hmm. uh, is it going to uh, become embodied in quote unquote DeFi apps? I don't know. 
Like, I really think of Bitcoin as this global accounting system. And what you can do with that is pretty much endless, you know, especially if the majority of people are subscribing to that global accounting system. So, I mean, everything else that you just said is pretty much buzzwords to me. There are a number of DeFi apps, money Legos on Ethereum that are currently building, being built out right now. Uh, and they're all pretty interesting. And only one of them I see as sufficiently solidified to where we can expect it to also exist into the future. And that's MakerDAO slash die. Lol. And then all the other, all the other ones like Dharma and DYDX and, uh, Ethland, ETH to die, uh, Kyber set protocol. All of these I think could, could be relatively transient and could be replaced by more polished, platforms or they could polish themselves up and exist into the future but we we've and one of your criticisms is that we haven't seen too much product market fit uh with DeFi, uh and i would think that the one scenario where that that thesis falls short is the maker dow uh scenario um granted maker dow's product market fit could be product market fit inside of cryptocurrency not outside of cryptocurrency whereas like all the eth holders would really really appreciate some sort of maker dow type system so that they can use their ether in a particular way locking up their eth inside of a cdp and pulling out some stabilized value and then able to interact with the world in that manner but i think that's one of the big things that's going to contribute to a positive feedback loop is having this stabilized value because how do you have decentralized finance without stability i don't i don't really see that happening it just doesn't seem like you're focusing on the right thing how is this asset or product being you know shipped around the world and packaged you know i look at stuff like lolly uh this new app pi that are using bitcoin as you know universal gift reward points Right. That's what programmable money is about. It's like, you know, how do we make this money way, way easier to, you know, use and program and give a use case for? And so now you see all these major retailers that are jumping onto this like network effect that Bitcoin already has. And they are essentially fundraising people to stack sats just by, you know, spending their fiat. Right. So like it's it's way more than, you know, just DeFi, right? It's about like, how do we get people to own these assets? And then on the flip side, Bitcoin is also significantly ahead in the financialization race when it comes to institutions, right? So in terms of getting grandma on it, Bitcoin's ahead. And in terms of getting institutions on it, Bitcoin's ahead. So everything else there is like, I don't see the product market fit yet. It's just like, okay, we have ETH heads who are, uh, need to do something with their die. And I don't know why there's also an obsession with doing something with your cryptocurrency. You know, saving is very, very reasonable and legitimate use case. And it's very fundamental to what money does is allow you to store value. It makes a lot of sense that saving is the first use case that is really gonna catch on because it's so foundational to what money is anyways. Every time I hear about Bitcoin's financialization, it's and I fully admit that Bitcoin is a DeFi application, but anytime that I see Bitcoin being financialized, it's always CFI on top of DeFi, as in it's centralized financial products built on top of Bitcoin, which Bitcoin itself is decentralized, but the financial products built on top of them 
are fully centralized. And that's just not the vision of the world that I see cropping up. And so, you know, the the narrative that I see is that Bitcoin is going to have this Lightning Network, and Lightning Network is just this layer for apps to be built on top of it. But but so far, we just see these centralized apps built on this decentralized platform, and like it's a better platform than we had initially. Like the fact that Bitcoin is this ground layer protocol for the financial system would be better than what we have today, but not when we have this uh, decentralized ground layer that also can produce uh, decentralized financial infrastructure for everyone else on top of that. It's like two layers of decentralized finance rather than just one. And then the the other thing that uh, that I wanted to bring up was that DAI and in, in its current form in DeFi offers people um, between eight and 13 percent uh, yearly interest rates for lending out their die, and that is something that does not appear in the centralized financial world. Like your dollars in your bank account are receiving like one quarter of one percent of interest on a yearly basis, and in the '70s it used to be like two to four. And so, like my mom growing up, yeah, yeah, it used to be like two to four, dude. You're muted. You can get two percent now, but yeah, you're you you are right. But that's just because it's in a liquid market and there's a massive arbitrage opportunity. The arbitrage opportunity is because we're disintermediating banks. Like that's why it's at twelve. It's at eight to twelve percent is because banks are the other intermediary that would pay you a quarter of a percent and then pay pay out twelve percent to somebody else because there's no centralized and there's no other institution in between those two parties and so on ethereum like if you if you stake your die inside of dydx or compound or dharma the other party can borrow that and do as they see fit but then they'll pay you far more than you would ever get inside of your bank account and so that's something that I'm trying to spearhead in the Ethereum community right now is like we should be marketing the fact that you can get 12% on your dollar and any Joe Schmo with $1,000 laying around should be able to convert that into DAI and lend that out and get 12% more DAI at the end of the year. They don't even have to be exposed to Ethereum or other cryptocurrencies, but they can still get uh, 12% more on their dollar because that's what DAI is. And that's something like product market fit we've seen significant product market fit inside of ethereum and now it's ethereum's responsibility to market this to outside of ethereum that is the right way to market it you are correct but i guess where i would push back on that is what is a tech feature versus what is a feature of the current condition DeFi gets you 12 percent on your die mm-hmm. as if it's a tech feature of DeFi, but really it's just a feature of the situation whereas that die is difficult to get it's extremely expensive to get so it is cheaper to you know to get it at 12 percent. but if that did you know if your marketing campaign worked and you got a lot more people the interest rate is going to go down significantly and ethereum grows a ton of adopters that's the whole point but it's not it's not DeFi that allows them to get 12 percent. it's the fact that they're just this current situation. And then what's the benefit? Part of the joke that I make with, because I was trying to get DYDX to start marketing their die lending capabilities because not many people realize that DYDX offers die lending for all the other side of DYDX for the margin lenders. So the way that this works is that um, some degenerates like me can go to DYDX and take a 4X uh, long uh, position on Ether, but I'm borrowing DAI to do that. And so I'm paying interest fees to people that are lending DAI so I can borrow that DAI. 
And so I'm paying something like 20% a month APR on my die, and then some lenders are collecting 12% on that. You're trying to convince the DYDX team to market. I exactly. thought that these are decentralized financial applications, right? No, so no, no, no. It's no. pretty so, clear that they are also spearheaded by centralized companies. Yeah, no, that's the big misconception. So as you go further and further up in the financial stack, you, the need to be less and less centralized becomes less itself. It's great that Ethereum is maximally decentralized, but any time that you build one of your money Legos on top of Ethereum, the higher you are up and down in that stack reduces the need to be fully decentralized. We don't need to be fully decentralized so long as the base protocol is totally decentralized, which is why when we see stability fee changes in MakerDAO only, you know, only decided by like 10 to 20 people, that's less a big a deal than Ethereum as a as the base layer protocol because it's Ethereum that needs to be fully decentralized, not the layers on top of it. Those can be less. You sound a lot like a Bitcoiner. Like you literally just argued the argument for why Bitcoin as a global decentralized accounting system, anything can get built on top of it. You're essentially, the only difference is that you're saying that, oh, it's important that there's decentralization at this layer or this layer. That's literally your argument. And then you just said it's not important. So... Okay, so the, Case the in point. very, very important difference is it's it's still non-custodial. And so with DYDX and Compound, it's decentralized in the way that it's peer-to-peer, and the peer-to-peer market forces generate the rates at which each person gets their return. And so that part is decentralized. The only centralized part of these things are the fact that there are a team of anywhere between like 3 and 20 people building out the code to progress these platforms. And so the actual monetary parts, where you deposit your money, is fully decentralized, and that's where it's important. That's where it's important. The centralized part is that these teams, like the DYDX team with Antonio or Dharma with you know our friend Max and, and Brendan and Nadav, those people, like if 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 Max, Brendan, and Nadav like got kidnapped and removed from Dharma, Dharma would take a huge hit and might stop, but you could still have the code for peer-to-peer decentralized lending. And that is the important important difference. Good distinction. Wait until you realize that the same stuff is being built by Bitcoin companies. I just don't... Where? Where, do, where is this open, happening? Op, 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 there's... I mean, hey, look. There's open source, uh, there's open source uh, ways in order for you to utilize Bitcoin in completely non-custodial um, fashions that enable you to get you know to leverage up as well as uh trade and a bunch of other things like that but where is i mean the, again like where is the bitcoin locked in DeFi graph there are no like literally it's like you guys are like hey <laughs> x amount of things in DeFi to do all these like little funny things but yet none of it actually is like it doesn't actually matter of course it matters. The The fact that Ethereum is being locked up in DeFi represents the amount of Ether that's being used as a commodity money, which means it's being used as collateral, which means it's being used as a store of value for to run all these applications. And so like this is my entire thesis is like cryptocurrency is DeFi. And if DeFi goes from Ethereum to Tron, I'm going to Tron. Like, sorry. But wherever DeFi is, is where crypto is. And so long as DeFi is on Ethereum and, and Ether is the commodity money, 
Ether will be bootstrapped to be the money of the internet for the next internet age. It's so silly to like say that something on the scale of moneyness proves that it is money. No, there is a scale of moneyness and the most money thing is money, right? So right now, for the most part, it's USD. But in Venezuela today, eggs are freaking being used as a store of value and a unit of account for their extreme environment. I'm not making any argument that in this niche community where they're using eggs because of their financial situation, that eggs are money. ETH inside of DeFi on this little DeFi island has money characteristics, but in the grand scheme of things, is it going to become the most saleable good? That is far from being assured. And I really don't think that like trustless financial tools are the killer app that is going to make cryptocurrency work. I think that trustless money as a like base foundational thing is going to be used everywhere. But like the trustlessness being on that next layer up, like you just said earlier, is not it's it's not guaranteed. It's like whenever I hear your argument, it sounds to me like you're saying like, oh, Bitcoin is good, but it's not decentralized enough at this level. So therefore, that's why ETH is better. Right. But it's always comparing back to Bitcoin and it's saying that, oh, Bitcoin doesn't have this thing. That's why this is better. But I guess so, I don't, I, I'm rambling now. This is fucking stupid. So the, the important nuance that I want to drive home is that finance picks the money. Money doesn't pick finance. And so when we saw that the financial system that was growing so strongly out of World War II uh, with... Um, Okay, so we had the Marshall Plan that established uh, the United States as the center of financial economic activity for the world, which positioned itself to have the dollar as the central currency of the world. And then we had the Bretton Woods Agreement, which established that the dollar doesn't actually need to be backed by gold. And then the, the dollar just exploded onto the financial scene as the currency of choice for finance. And so the point is that finance chooses the money and the money doesn't choose finance. And so wherever DeFi is, which is just another word for finance, because decentralized finance is finance, except that it's decentralized. And so it's finance is coming into the decentralized space and staking its claim. And so like we need to not think that we are actually taking over finance, but finance is taking over us. And finance will pick which money comes onto the internet as the internet of money. And so far, because DeFi is FI, FI is picking Ether as money, which is why Ether is money and will be bootstrapped as money way faster than Bitcoin ever will be into the future. Well, <laughs> you need to read some Austrian economics. Ether is Austrian money. Yeah, but no Austrian would say that DeFi or finance is what picks the money. It's actually the other way around. And because gold was censored, as gold was the natural emerging money, because it was censored and it's so censorable and it just did not scale to a global world. That's how the dollar came about, right? Through political means and censorship. But a censorship-resistant money should be chosen by the market, by the people, because of its features as well as its liquidity. Has nothing to do with can you leverage it? Can you 
can you do all of these extra things with it? It's strictly a means of communicating value. And all of those things are what Ether has. Except Ether has the bootstrapping power of finance. Like it's Ether, like, Ether what is more what is more important? Fidelity adding Bitcoin, Square adding Bitcoin, DeFi. I don't know. Like, I'm pretty sure that it's literally the scale of getting the money in people's hands. Like, as if fucking Fidelity won't add decentralized finance onto its product offerings. If I ever get huh? a job with Fidelity, I the first thing I will do is say, like, hey, you need to incorporate DeFi because it offers a better product for your users than anything else they've ever experienced. How would Fidelity incorporate DeFi? By central... By, by having centralized CDP uh, custodian control and centralized DYDX access and providing them the same rates that you would uh, see on the platform. I would love some centralized entity to provide me insurance on my CDP. That would be great. I would use it wholeheartedly. And so when, so would everyone else who's like, yeah, cryptocurrency is industry interesting, but I don't know how I don't know what a hardware wallet is and I and I can barely use my cell phone. And so I don't really want to experiment with it. But if it's a portal inside of my Fidelity account, I would for sure use that. So here, here's the thing that I struggle with, okay? I buy the sound money narrative because it makes things easier for people, right? It is really, really hard and expensive to get a store of value in today's world, okay? You have to buy a house, to buy stocks, you have to manage your portfolio. Sound money seems and sounds like a significant upgrade right i'm with you there DeFi, i'm not seeing the significant upgrade for consumers it's like saying that like consumers 13 percent do more of this financial stuff but they i don't think they do they're barely can fucking save that's the reality they can barely fucking save maybe like, the 13 percent difference on your savings is the incentive like what like let's just move to like hey here is how you save. Like we, it's, we need baby steps. You're getting the cart in front of the horse. No, you need bridges into finance world. So, like, if people, if you want to convince people to move their U.S. dollar from their bank account to this decentralized finance platform, it would be way easier if they could move their U.S. dollar into another form of U.S. dollar, which is Dai. Like, it's a great middle ground stepping stone for these people to like dip their toes into. It's like, all right, I got twenty thousand dollars saved in the bank. I'm going to commit two thousand dollars to to getting this thirteen percent interest rates that I've been hearing about. And so if you follow, if you're friends with me on Facebook, which is like four of you listeners, you guys will know that I'm, I'm marketing this, you know, lend out your dollars on, on the Ethereum ecosystem so you can get your, your, your toes wet. And Bitcoin offers no alternative for like dipping your toes. It's either all in or nothing, which is, and that's just going to be too much for most people. It's called stacking sats, bro. Tell, go up to your to your mom's like cousin and tell her or him stacking hats and see what they say. Yeah, it's called dollar cost average. Buy a hundred dollars a week. That's very simple. No, but you still have to buy into why you would buy in in the first place. With Ethereum, yeah, it's like because it's gonna moon you. <laughs> fucking tell them that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I do. I'm saying, look, this is at you know you need to look at least four years into the future. There is extreme scarcity. This is the time to accumulate. Like you've, I'm convinced and that you've convinced me 
And so I'm on board with that. But the other 50% or like 99% of people are like, I don't think it's going to moon. And I'm like, well, you can take the other side of that bet by lending out your die to all the, de the degenerates that do think it's going to moon like me because I will take that fucking bet. And that's how that's the, the halfway mark that Bitcoin does not have. So here's here's real people. Real people aren't lending things. Real people aren't leveraging. Real people aren't investing. Maybe because they don't have the opportunity. No, they absolutely do have the opportunity. I think it's like first principles is like, you know, where is money failing people today? So that's where I think that Bitcoin fits in really well. I think I think that distills it pretty well. What are the first principles about why we are all in this world of cryptocurrency? And the reason why I came to cryptocurrency is because I think that the first big introduction of products to the world is going to be finance, not money. The thing I is, think that your narrative has changed a lot. Yeah, well, Otherwise, yeah, my like, narrative has been pretty damn consistent. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you're if you're consistent in your narrative in this hyper changing environment, you're probably lagging behind. I mean, I think that your narrative is getting a lot closer to my narrative over time. No, so like, I'm just, you I'm just treating this as David becoming more of a Bitcoin maximalist eventually. You and I have a lot of the same narratives and we agree on a lot of things. Like, like maximalism is something that we both agree on. We just disagree on where it's going. And so I think your, uh, your mistake is thinking that because that you and I are agreeing on some things that you think that I automatically should be agreeing that it's Bitcoin, which is, which is wrong. It's, it's Ethereum. <laughs> it's the only logical place for things to go. Uh, let's wrap this up, though. Uh, Fight Night is for you guys to respond on Twitter or, or talking to us wherever we are about your opinions. Who do you agree with? What do you see? What did you hear that we didn't talk about? Fight Night is for you guys to voice your opinions, so please do so. All right, y'all. Five-star reviews. Follow the show at POV Crypto Pod. Follow me at CK underscore Snarks. And you can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on IDM. All right. Thanks, everyone. Fight Night 2. It's going well.